his knowledge by us in every place. Okay? And I would like to speak to you this morning on this thought, the scent of triumph. The scent of triumph. I'm going to ask Brother McCune if he'd be so kind as to open up with a word of prayer. And if you would join with Brother McCune this morning and simply ask that you would try to bring your minds and your hearts, your attention here to the house of the Lord and to the, the preaching of the word here this morning and see what God might do for each and every one of us. Amen. Brother McCune, if you would. Lord, we thank you today for your mercies, your greatness, and your power. Thank you for your word that you bring forth to us by your servant. We ask God your mighty anointing upon every heart, every mind, and life here today. That we might learn to triumph in you, to live daily as you would have us to live. We know we are living in a tremendously wicked world, and we need your power more than ever, Lord God, that we will overcome and be overcomers for your name's sake. Anoint your word mightily, we ask in Jesus' name. Praise God. All right, God bless you. You may be seated. There's a, as I was looking at this uh, here last few days, and I thought, well, is there a difference between triumph and victory? And there is. You see, victory means they have won a competition or a battle. Triumph means a complete success or conquest to subdue and to force into surrender. That's why in Exodus 15, 1, the writer says, The Lord has triumphed gloriously. He overthrew the horse and his rider. In other words, he was putting, trying to give us an understanding that when God does something, when God fights your battles for you, it's more than just to give you a one-time victory. It's to give you a complete conquest of whatever it is that you're right. coming against. Amen. God completely subdued an entire nation, the nation of Egypt, in order to deliver his people. Don't ever forget that. Colossians 2.15, which might have a little bit more uh, meaning to it here, at least in our thought this morning. Colossians 2.15 says, And having spoiled all principalities and powers, he, talking about the Lord, made a show of them openly triumphing over them. Ephesians 6.12 says, I think we can all look out on what is going on in the world today and we can understand this scripture. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but we're fighting against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world against mighty powers in this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil. Can you say amen? But Jesus, via Calvary, 
He stripped the rulers and authorities of their power and he made a public spectacle of them as he celebrated his triumph. The gates of hell. Listen to me. The gates of hell shall not prevail against the church because there is one that came and he gave his life on a place called Calvary. He went to the graveyard for you, but he didn't stay in that graveyard. And when he came out of that graveyard, he had a hold of the keys of death, hell, and the grave. He conquered, he triumphed over every ruler and principality that the devil had to throw at the church. In fact, one translation says that he stripped them naked and made a spectacle of Praise God. So Paul begins a scripture setting that we read to you, telling us how God had opened a door for him to preach the gospel and trials. Then he goes on to Macedonia, the great Macedonian call. He says that he had no rest because his partner, Titus, wasn't there to help him. He was on his own. We have no clue what that man went through except for the living epistle that we have. He was on his own. You got to realize he hadn't wrote the Bible yet. He was simply living it as it was revealed to him. He said he could find no rest. Then he goes on and he gives us a very valuable teaching moment. He says that, don't worry about me. He says, no matter what the environment, no matter what the circumstance, he says, I always find that I am triumphant in Christ. Because why? Because he makes manifest the savor of his knowledge by us in every place. One translation reads like this. But thanks to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. Paul uses two words here that we're going to focus our attention on this morning. Triumph, we've already looked at that. But this word savor, I'm not even sure if that's the right pronunciation, but that's GK's pronunciation. <laughs> you can look it up in my dictionary, and that will be the correct way. But this word savor is used four different times in these two verses. Four times. One, he says, the savor of his knowledge. Two, he says, we are a sweet savor unto Christ. Three, a savor of life to some, 
and to others a savor of death. What's he talking about? Let's look at this. This word savor is used approximately 50 times throughout the Bible. The Old Testament brings the meaning of soothing, while the New Testament brings out the meaning of aroma, as in a breath, as in to smell, to perceive, to anticipate, or to enjoy the fragrance, as in take a deep breath and smell, they say, the roses. interesting. They say that of the five basic human senses, the sense of smell is the most powerful. See, in order to sense the smell, to use for the sense of smell to operate, there has to be released molecules by that which we are near enough to sense. Flowers, walk by fresh baked bread. You can't deny that, right? Oh, yeah. Bacon. You can't. When you smell bacon, there's nothing that smells like bacon. There's nothing that smells like freshly baked bread. I would throw in there coffee. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or burnt rubber. <laughs> you can't deny that. You see, those that are the scientists, if you will, they say deep within the human nasal system are 128 odor receptors that have the capacity to pick up to one trillion odors and form a database. So the next time you get close enough to something that your odor receptors have picked up, we immediately are drawn to what we perceive to be a good smell or bad smell. See, not everybody, is there anybody here that does not like the smell of bacon? There we go. You are excused. You are excused. Have you ever took bad bacon? It's bad. But, you see, that because they say these these odor receptors, they are, they are connected to the forefront of the brain. And so when we, when we pick up the fragrance, fragrance of something, we immediately, we, you as an individual, you, not, you will not always perceive that fragrance to be bad, or good. It depends on you. So hold on to that. 
And remember, Paul writes to some, this gospel, he says, gives off the fragrance of life, and to some, it smells like death. Now, let's look at the context of Paul making reference to always being triumphant in Christ. Paul is referencing here to a Roman celebration that they say was most magnificent of earthly pageants. The conqueror in whose honor it was given, like the, what do they call the ticker parade in New York they do sometimes, right? But the conqueror in whose honor it was given was a military commander who had defeated an enemy or gained a province to add to the country. And this victorious commander would be leading the procession adorned in his chariot. But as he would make his way through the streets of Rome, he would have the spoils of war that they would be paraded through as the bystanders of the parade on either side of the street by literally the tens of thousands would be looking on and cheering and so all of the gold and all of the jewels would be displayed openly that he had taken that from the enemy and added it to the treasure chest of Rome. And along the way, there would be pagan priests with censers filled with incense. They would be waving them along the way, filling the air around them with an aromatic cloud that would fill the streets with the smell of this incense. And literally, they say, there would be clouds of this incense that would be hovering around the streets, and the people would smell that. And they would be taking in the scent of a triumphant victory that they were a part of. But then, as the parade would move forward, there would also be some of the conquered kings or commanding generals that would some be executed in front of the people, but then some would be pardoned by this victorious commander. And so the living, they would take in this scent of this incense on that day, and they would always remember that to them it was the scent of life. Right. But some, it was the opposite. See, Paul tells us, he says, 
you're, we have a twofold ministry here. He says, we, the bearers of this gospel, to God, we are that sweet fragrance. Right. Child of hope, come on. Right. Child of God. Oh, when you, listen, you, when you wake up in the morning, you may not, your, your breath right. may not be smelling quite right then, but it goes, but to God, when you wake up in the morning and you take that first breath, what he's doing, and he's taking in the aroma, the fragrance of one of his children because you are alive because of what he has done for you. And then Paul goes on and he says, and the second thing is, he says, a reason why I can be alone and still feel triumphant is that when I release this message, that it also releases the, uh, the, the, the fragrance, the pleasant owners of the gospel and to the living, to the ones that receive it. It becomes life to them. But the other side is that it could be their sentence of death. See, there's history connected with this word. The first time that we find it used, Genesis 8.21. Bible says, Noah built an altar, and the Lord smelled a sweet savor or aroma. Hello. In other words, when this righteous man that stood alone during his day when all the world, pardon my expression, when the world decided that they were going to rebel against God, when the entire world was going to go to hell, Noah stood his ground and God said, Noah, I am going to save you and I'm going to bless you. And when I get through with when you walk out of the ark, that on that beautiful morning, he says, there's going to be a brand new world untouched. So when Noah built an altar and he offered a sacrifice, the first thing that he did, and the Lord, if you will, after after this merciful God that, who waited, it, the Bible says he waited over a hundred years for men to repent. But when Noah stepped off that ark, the Bible says that his sacrifice brought this sweet fragrance up before the throne of God. In other words, God stood on the, on the threshold of heaven's throne and he just... Amen. Now I get to start over. Now I got a man that loves me. Now I got a family that is going to serve me. Praise God. And that would bring a very powerful thing to you and I and Noah and his family. It would be a moment that God would give us a promise and a token of that promise. The rainbow. And that word savor gets even deeper 
as we move through the plan of redemption. The building of the tabernacle and setting up the order of Jewish sacrificial worship that was mandated by the law included two very important ingredients. There was the holy anointing oil and there was the incense that was to be offered on the golden altar of incense. Exodus 30 and 1 and Brother Cliff or Brother Brian, I don't know if you can follow along with me here, but here's what it says. God speaking to Moses, he says, you shall make an altar on which to burn incense. You shall put it in front of the veil, in front of the mercy seat, where I will meet with you. And Aaron shall burn, verse 7, and Aaron shall burn sweet incense every morning, every evening, a perpetual incense before the Lord throughout your generations. Are you with me still? Then the Lord said to Moses, He says, take the following spices. Exodus 30, verses 22 through 38. He says, Moses, take principal or quality spices. 500 shekels of pure myrrh. 12.5 pounds. Then... 250 shekels, 5.25 pounds of sweet cinnamon. 250 shekels, another 5.25 pounds of sweet calamus. And then 500 shekels or 12.5 pounds of cassia. Mix these spices with 1.5 gallons of olive oil. That's a pretty good container, don't you think? And he says... In verse 25, that thou shalt make this a holy anointing oil, anointment after the art of the apothecary. Isn't that a cool word? It shall be a holy anointing oil. Verses 26 and 31, he says, here's what you do. He says, anoint everything that is dedicated to God, including Aaron and his sons. I want you to anoint the inside of that tabernacle. I want you to anoint that table. I want you to anoint that golden candlestick. I want you to anoint the pots and the pans. I want you to anoint everything. And then he says, I want you, the Bible, we know it. How, how, what does it mean? How awesome it is. For the oil that ran down the beard of Aaron. He says, and I want you to take that oil. And I want you to anoint Aaron. And he's got four sons. I want you to anoint them. I want you to pour this oil. This special oil. Watch. And this oil is so pure. And it is so clean. And it is so holy. That you will never use this on anything outside the ministry or the anointing of the ministry. Mm-hmm. Don't even think about it, he said. Because anybody that tries will be cut off from their nation. Mm-hmm. Wow. Ooh. Must be pretty good stuff, huh? 
<laughs> Must be pretty good stuff. And then he goes on, verses 24 through 38. He says, now take some sweet spices. Mix them with pure frankincense. And make a perfume. Incense. After the art of the apothecary. Says, temper together, pure, holy, beat it very small. Put it before the testimony in the tabernacle of congregation where I will meet with you. We're talking about the incense here. And do not attempt to make or use this for any other purpose. Exodus 31, God has people already lined up. He says, and don't worry about it. I know, Moses, you've never, you've never put, you, you've never made anything like this before in your life. You've never cooked. <laughs> yeah, you've never made this kind of good stuff. He says, but here's the deal. He says, I've already moved upon Exodus 31. God calls out Bazael. And Bible says he fills him with the Spirit of God in wisdom, understanding, knowledge, in all manner of workmanship. He gives him an assistant called Aholiab. And the Bible says in Exodus 35 and 34, God put into their hearts that these two men may teach how to make the things of God, including, they say, the art of the apothecary. The art would move from Bazil down to Aaron's sons. He would teach them how to make these two very, very sacred ingredients that were tied in with the ministry. It would go to Aaron, and then it would go to Aaron's sons, and they tell me that they literally would have a room, or what we would call a laboratory, that would be connected to the temple, and there would be a group of priests that would be set aside strictly for the production of both the oil and the incense. They were artists filled with the wisdom of God on how to make this special recipe that literally came down from heaven's throne. You think they put a, some pretty good effort in it? Notice, it had to be exactly per mix. They couldn't put in 13 pounds of something and come out with the right recipe. It had to be exactly according to the design of God. Every time. They made a college out of it, if you will. They made a scientific study to make sure that what they were producing was the very thing that came from the original throne of heaven. It could not change. How important were these two items in ministry? at the dedication of the tabernacle 
Everything inside the tabernacle was anointed with this oil, including Aaron and his sons. Leviticus 8 and 12 tells us that, that Moses took the anointing oil. It doesn't say that he anointed. It says and he poured the oil on Aaron's head. We also told in Numbers 3, 3 that Aaron's sons were also anointed with this holy oil. The only persons this oil was used on was the priest. In other words, the day they received their anointing, this thing was released. The anointing was released and the people were able to pick up the scent of something from heaven's throat that had never been produced yet. And they took it in. When the man of God walked by, they knew he was the man of God right. because the oil of the anointing was on him. And when they got close to the house of God, the aroma possibly that everything, everything. When they got close to the house of God, they perceived not something bad, but they perceived that this was something that had been produced by the very hand of God. Are you with me? People could identify once this had been released the people could only identify this with one, one, one thing only. Only one thing. When this was released, they could only identify it as the man that had been anointed of God and as the utensils that were used in the house of God. They could not find it at Walmart. They could not find it in the tavern. very first time this fragrance was released into the world the people took a deep breath full of anticipation of what God was going to do Moses and Aaron at the tabernacle dedication they offer a sin offering on the brazen altar Moses and Aaron went into the tabernacle they came out and they blessed the people from the inside once they had been on the inside they came out and they were able to bless those people but we're told it and then the glory of the lord appears to the people and there came fire out from before the lord and consumed the offering on the altar and when the people saw it they breathed in what they had picked up the scent of God if you will and then they saw the fire that came and it consumed what was on that altar and when the people saw it they shouted and they fell on their faces but hold on two sons of Aaron said I'm talking about something that's very important today folks Aaron's two sons, Nadab and Abihu, they had oil on them. 
They took their censers. They put fire to the incense. The Bible calls this fire strange fire. And the fire of God devoured them and they died. And so the first time that this incense was released to the people, it was a two-pronged scent, if you will. Are you with me? You see, here's what the future was like in regards to the incense and oil. The priest would be in the tabernacle each morning and evening making sure the incense was burning. The cloud of smoke from the incense would ascend up from the tabernacle and the air around the house of God would be filled with its aroma. You understand? You get it? It was only found in one place. It was when the preacher who had been anointed was releasing that incense that had been ignited from God's fire on the altar, not strange fire. You see, Aaron's two sons made a mistake. They apparently had gotten out. They, they had just picked up fire from any source. But as that cloud of smoke, as that cloud, that, that smoke that ascended up from that incense was being burned, the people would wait in anticipation. And then when it was released, it filled all of that area around that tabernacle. And the people were just, they, they would just drink it in because they knew that that was the scent of a releasing of the glory and the mercy of God that was telling them that you are my people. And the men of God would be anointed with this holy oil. The people knew he was a man of God because he had the oil on. Then we have a story of Korah in number 16. Listen carefully. Korah rebelled, rebelled against Moses and Aaron by questioning their anointing. Verse 7 says, Moses tells the 250 of the rebels, listen carefully. He says, take your censers. Put incense in them if you think that you've got it. And let the Lord choose. You that don't need that, that don't know that story, you really need to read that. He says, "Go ahead, grab a censer, make your own incense, and we'll see." Because see, there's only one incense. There's only one product that comes from heaven, folks. Mm -hmm. Men cannot make what God has yeah. manufactured through this mighty plan of salvation. And listen to me. The Bible says that the next morning God sent a plague among the people that day. Verse 46, Moses said unto Aaron, Take a censer. Take fire from off the altar. 
put on incense and go quickly into the congregation and make atonement for the people. Did you get that part of the story? And Aaron, who was possibly a hundred by now, he took, he had that oil on him. And he took that censer. He took, he what he knew. He had to take fire that came from heaven. He started that incense on fire, that aroma that come from the fire of the altar and was manufactured from heaven. He says, Aaron, he says, you need to take that son and you need to run through that congregation and you need to make atonement. Listen carefully. The Bible says Aaron's running. He's, he's trying to put up that cloud. He's trying to put up that cloud. Of, he's trying to put it up there in the air. And the Bible says this. The Bible says that, that uh, uh, Aaron was swinging that censer. He stood between the living and the dead, but not before 14,000 people. Yeah. We're destroyed. Leviticus 16 talks about the day of atonement. Listen carefully. I really didn't. I know I've read this before, but maybe it didn't impact me. But on the day of atonement, verse number 12, the Bible says that that anointed priest would take fire from the altar, from the altar, take his censer, put incense on it. Listen carefully. And he would take this incense be into the Holy of Holies. He said, go behind the veil. And there it was, listen carefully, that he would be putting up this cloud. And the Bible says that he shall release the incense until it forms a cloud over the mercy seat that, that he die not. And then, and only then, was he allowed to take the blood and sprinkle it seven times on that mercy seat. The incense had to go before even blood. And it could only be that which was man, it could not, listen to me, it couldn't be store bought. It had to come from God called men and women. Now, I'm not going to leave you. It had to call from God called people that were willing to dedicate themselves to the mass production of the ongoing making of this thing called the gospel that would produce 
this thing called salvation that would be released into the world. It could not come from Walmart. <laughs> now listen, maybe, maybe this will hit home a little bit better now. Paul said, you are a sweet aroma before God. He says, and when you release this gospel, you release this life-saving message. This, ar this aroma, this thing has been built in heaven. He says, when you release this, you are releasing a life-saving message into the crowds. Says some will accept it and others will rebel against it. Luke 4 18, Jesus goes to church. They ask him to read. He picks up Isaiah's writing, chapter 61, verse 1. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. And he has sent me to heal the broken. Mm -hmm brokenhearted the priest deliverance captives it's your day of pardon it's not your day of execution Amen. it's your day of you. he says to preach deliverance to the captives recovering of sight to the blind right. Amen. to Amen. set at liberty that them that are bruised Jesus bruised to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. He says this day, this day, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? It's all we can do. I wonder what the fragrance of the Lord Jesus was was like that day because see he was releasing he was releasing from the heart he wasn't releasing maybe he had you know I don't know if they had the right guard back then or whatever right but understand he was releasing from the inside out he says the anointing of God is only for one purpose Come on. Yeah. 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 Amen. Your anointing, Sister Cory, your anointing, I don't care who, whatever you do, listen, 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 listen. <coughs> Brother, my heart just, you are here today because a man decided that he was going to release oh, this yeah. thing that had been produced in heaven. This anointing, you're, 
Listen, this anointing is not for any other purpose. It is not for you to become, you know, a, a legend of some kind or a big name, whatever it is you want to be, or a star of some kind. This anointing is only to be used to, to be released into the masses of the lost that are blind and poor and bruised and broken hearted so that they can catch a scent of what we have. That's why it is so important. Paul would go on to say, he says, he says, danced in in season, out of season. Preach, 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 preach. Why, Paul? I don't feel like, because if God has anointed you, it is not for you to feel all bluesy, coozy, whatever. It's for you to release this thing called redemption yes. because there are people that are in desperation this morning they need you to release your incense your anointing in the world see that altar of incense was made out of gold your prayer and your worship they're pure, they're pure goals of God. You're, for you and me to withhold our prayers for the lost and for us to withhold our worship to the God of glory, it's like you, it's like, pardon me, and I know we got guests this morning, but pardon me, but it's as if God smells a stench when you withhold what God has given you. He said, but oh, when you release your prayers, when you come before that holiest of holies, when you release your worship to me, he says, I, I just have to stand up. I've got to take it all in. I've got to breathe deep. only for God use. Period. I smell the scent of triumph in the air this morning. Come on. Amen. 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 Listen to me. I do know that that there there has to that this mess this this gospel cannot be it cannot be preached without the anointing of the Holy Ghost upon a person. I realize that, but I want you to know that most of the time that when I do preach, trust me when I tell you that I feel that there's something that comes from heaven's throne that encompasses my entire being that that compels me to release what he gives to me. Amen. 
No, when we get close to the house of God, there, there are days when I walk in here and there's just something about it. I don't know. Maybe it's my imagination or maybe it's what I perceive because of my receptors that are closely connected to my brain. That's a good thing. There are days when I walk, I open the door of the sanctuary. You know, out there is a little different. When I open that, the doors of that sanctuary, and I walk in, and it's like that a piece of God has been left inside the sanctuary for me. Yes, amen. It's true. That is why that when, oh, we, we, had, a, we had a great worship service this morning. You know, what makes, because when you release your praise to God, you are releasing the very thing that he created you for and he saved you for. Because when you begin to release your praise unto the Lord God Almighty, he just stands back ah, and he breathes deep because he understands. I smell the scent of triumph this morning. You know why? Isaiah went a little bit further and he told us this. He says, and furthermore, this anointing it will bring beauty for ashes and the oil of joy for mourning and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. He says, I want you to know, you feel heavy. You feel heavy this morning, Paul. He says, I was weary in my spirit. But I guarantee you that if he worshiped God the way that he did in that Philippian jail, I can assure you that he would wake up on a Monday morning and he would begin to lift his heart no matter what situation he was in. And he would begin to give God his yes. highest praise. Right. Amen. Beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for morning. Come on. Right. You need some joy in your life. Come on. You need, you need God. You need God to pour out, to pour out his spirit. He's anointing into your life. Stand with us. Because you understand that book of Hebrews so very so very powerfully it shows us and tells us that you know the ministry of of Aaron, his sons, so on and so forth came to an end. But he said, but there came one. That was after the order of Melchizedek. That has a priesthood that is unchangeable. In other words, the very God of heaven that produced the ingredients for that sacred oil and that perfect <laughs> incense 
that excited him when he breathed it in. He's the very God that came and walked in flesh and became your high priest. And he himself placed his life on that altar. And then he took his own blood and he walked behind that holy curtain. And he put his blood on that mercy seat. And when he put his blood on that mercy seat, I want you to know that there was a cloud that was released across the universe. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. It says it never changes. In fact, it goes on. It says, and he ever, I, I really don't get this part, right? This is, too, this is too much for my brain to get a hold of. It says that he ever makes intercession. Help me out if I'm right. Somebody see that? It says that he forever maketh intercession Hallelujah. for his church. Thank you. Hallelujah. Did I get that right? Hallelujah. Sister Reyes, is that correct? Thank you, Jesus. No, no, no. Yeah, 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 yeah. He went behind the curtain. He gave his life as a sacrifice on the altar that God has built. And he says, I am alive forevermore, and I will be here for you. I got you back. I got you in the front. I got beside you. I'm ahead of you. I'm down here. I'm all around. I have you. By my mercy. Hallelujah. Yes. Hallelujah. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Hallelujah. And it never ends. Never ends. Amen. He's released. He's released. <laughs> oh, I. No man, there is a scent that comes from that comes from the Word of God. Trust me. You ever smell a brand new Bible? Leather back, you know. Tom said, "Oh man, does that smell good?" But you know what? It smells much better the more that it's used. Yeah, it smells better. Smells better when you use it. The sense of smell and the sense of taste are almost interconnected. God said taste. He said taste. Taste. And the writer says sometimes it goes down, it's 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 bitter, but it comes out like honey. Sweet. Oh church, oh church, oh soul today, we're living, this is, we're living, this is, this is the day folks, this is the day, if ever there was the church needed a fresh anointing every day, every day the church needs a fresh anointing, every day we need to wake up, we need to smell that freshly baked manna that cometh from heaven, we need to catch the scent of it, and then we need to devour it, and then we need to release it, we need to release it. Release it. 
Got a broken heart this morning? Here. Get a little bit blinded. You can't see because of what's going on around here. I'm telling you what, if I didn't have this to help my eyesight, I'd be crazy today. You bruised? Are you bruised this morning? Come on. You might as well be truthful today. You might as well just come right on out. Are you bruised? Broken? Half dead? Your anointings gone haywire? He's here today. Amen. And he wants to bring healing and restoration and salvation to each and every one. If you've never been baptized, I strongly urge you, urge you to get baptized in Jesus' name. If you've never received the Holy Ghost, I urge you to ask God for his gift that he mandated. If you're here this morning, you need special prayer. We're going to call you to the altar this morning. We'll pray with you, for you, whatever it is that you need. If you need a healing touch, I believe God's here. Amen. Amen. I know he can do it. Amen. I know he can do it. Come on, if you're here, if you, if you feel like you need a, a fresh anointing, a fresh touch of the Holy Ghost, come on, nobody's going to think lower or higher of you. I'll tell you what, I'll think higher of you because you come to the altar and the altar is always where the fire comes from. And it starts from. The real fire. Oh Jesus, as I pray, would you come? Heavenly Father, we love you today. God, I pray, Lord, that you would touch every heart, every mind, God. Draw us, Lord. Draw us to that place, God, that you desired for us to get to today. And God, we pray that if there if there's healings, Lord, that need to be healed, Lord, that we pray, God, that we would open up our hearts and our minds to receive from you today. And we promise you that we'll give you the glory. We promise you we will give you the praise. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you. Hallelujah. Thank you. Hallelujah. Love you, Lord. Hallelujah.